Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Kingdom City, reclaiming sports for Christ and his kingdom. I am so happy to be joined with this bonus episode by my good friend, once again, Garrison Hardy. He is the media representative for CrossPolitik, and he's starting a college sports podcast in the very near future. And we're glad to have him back to talk college sports again. Garrison, great to hear from you again. Ross, thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, Garrison, we need to get right into this because, man, this was a, a a cataclysmic week, some would say, in the world of college sports because we had um, kind of a cash grab or a grab, hungry, hungry hippo, so to speak, with all these marbles in the middle. Go, as people were, teams are jumping conferences, conferences are claiming people, people are doing almost midnight deals trying to get these things done. But it's all come under this tag of conference realignment. So Garrison, mm-hmm. tell us what this is. What is conference realignment? What's going on here? Give us a, a synopsis of this. Well, yeah, kind of as you described, it's uh, every school, every conference for themselves at this point in time, and it all has to do with media money. So essentially, the schools are looking at, okay, what can we get uh, from our conference when it comes to media rights? And really, you know, uh, when we look at the the Pac-12 here, as the they're the one who were kind of reamed through all of this, they have nobody to blame but them but themselves. You know, Larry Scott, the former commissioner, uh, did a very poor job when it came to going out and claiming at TV deals for these schools. And so, um, you know, kind of the general synopsis is uh, all these schools across the country are looking at, all right, what uh, what kind of TV money can we get? The Big Ten is offering this package. The SEC is offering this package. The Big 12's got this. And the Pac-12, unfortunately, their TV deal was running out in 2024 for next year. And they weren't able to get something that was competitive with the other conferences. So they were left out in the cold. And as a result, USC, UCLA, they bounce. Washington, Oregon, they get a Big Ten deal. Um, And suddenly, and then the Big 12 swoops in and grabs the four corner schools. You got Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. And suddenly it's the Pac-4, which is, man, it's a sad deal. But, um, you know, we, we saw the writing on the wall when Texas... Uh, this goes all the way back to the early 2010s. Texas comes up with that Longhorn Network, uh, where and they've got a deal with ESPN for it. And a lot of the other schools were pretty unhappy about that. And that's when Texas A&M said, "I'm out, we're leaving." And that's when a couple other schools uh, were looking to go to the Pac-12. You, that's where we got Utah and Colorado. And then Texas and um, Oklahoma were looking to join the Pac-12 at that point in time. Interestingly enough. Um, so I may have a little went a little more in depth That's with fine. your question, but uh, basically all the schools are just trying to get the best TV deals at this point in time. Right. And so, so the big thing that stuck out to me, you mentioned that the Pac-12 has been decimated to about four teams right now. I think those are Oregon State, Stanford, uh, Cal, and uh, Washington State. You're Cougars, right? Yep, correct. So is there... Is there a limit on how many teams are required to be in a conference for a conference to exist? Or is the Pac-12 or those four teams just going to play those three division games this year, those three conference games, and then try to fill out the schedule as best they can? There's no way that the conference in that iteration could exist money-wise. They just couldn't compete. Um, and uh, no, what TV entity is going to look at that and say, yep, that's a that's big value right there, those four schools. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, which is, you know, at Cal and Stanford, they haven't been good 
right. for quite some time when it comes to football. And WSU and Oregon State, they've been working real hard uh, to avoid this scenario. You know, they've upgraded their uh, stadiums, their um, athletic departments, their facilities. They've Those two programs have probably gone the hardest when it comes to upgrading their programs. And unfortunately, they've been left in the dust through all this. So what's likely going to happen for those four schools is um, they're either going to get split up. Um, I could see, you know, when it comes to Washington State and Oregon State, for me, the cleanest option for them would be to join the Mountain West Conference. Mm. Um, geographically, it works out, although we're seeing that that doesn't really matter these days. Right. Um, but, uh, as far as, you know, kind of fitting the identity of the Mountain West, you got Boise State, you got San Diego State, you know, they're still on the there. It gives the Mountain West to that Pacific Northwest market as well as a couple of solid programs. Uh, so I think that would work for them. Cal and Stanford are in a really interesting position mm -hmm. in that you know, Cal, um, both Cal and Stanford have been mediocre for the last several years. Um, and, you know, I've heard rumblings of the Big Ten, maybe uh, throwing a lifeline to Stanford. Uh, the only way that would happen, though, in my book is if Notre Dame right. decides to go. 10 and then Stanford should just ride their coattails as hard as they can Cal they're in an interesting spot you know I've, I've heard the ACC talk about Cal and Stanford maybe um, but again they're just it, pretty mediocre it's just one little dot and then you look at the travel that those teams would have to go through uh, when it comes to scheduling them it, it's just kind of a nightmare so a lot of things can happen with this little pack four now um going forward it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds it seems like the, the the three big conferences right now are the sec the big 12 and the big 10 and whatever those conferences have as far as slot availability there always has to be one open right now so that when notre dame does finally choose to not be an independent anymore they seem like the biggest available cash cow left in the free market so to speak yeah, Notre Dame's brand is just unbelievable, and and they've been an independent for such a long time. When you look at the landscape of college football currently, Notre Dame has done it right. You know, they're they're beholden to nobody. They're raking in millions upon millions of dollars from their NBC partnership with Peacock. Right. Uh, they're a national brand all by themselves. They're always competitive for national championships, and that's that's including their more rigorous academic requirements. Right. for their players too so, yeah. um notre dame uh, they're sitting pretty as of right now they, they're probably fine this year to continue doing as they are and then they can kind of see uh it to me if nbc wants to keep notre dame they just keep up in the ante and if even if the big 10 came swooping in with an offer notre dame could be like we're fine with uh, nbc they're they're giving us a great deal we'll schedule whoever we want um florida state is another team that jumps out to me as somebody with a a big uh, college football uh, prints, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, Big Ten and SEC will be competing for them big time. Uh, Clemson, you can throw them in there. The ACC, to me, is the next conference that could be the next domino to fall um, as this progresses. Right. And you know, to to the listeners at home, uh, to me, we're looking at uh, really what's going to become the National College Football League. Right. You know, the, don't don't talk to, don't talk about student athletes anymore. That that's not what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, these are semi-pros and eventually we're going to have an AFC and an NFC, you know, um, and it's going to be a, a national, it, they're going to have the top 70 teams, maybe mm -hmm. uh, whoever can afford to be in there. And then everybody else is probably going to fly, fall by the wayside and, you know, going to be forming a different division. So the goal of all this, it seems like is to every single week, every game is going to be a, a heavyweight bout for college football in the near future. 
Yeah. As, as a fan, you know, I don't know if you can be totally upset at this. You know, you've got, uh, for instance, the Washington Huskies taking on the Michigan Wolverines. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Oregon traveling to the shoe. Mm-hmm. On that sounds like a good deal. The SEC, Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, that that's more just more heavyweight hitters right there. Yeah. Um, the, now, on the flip side, you know, USC traveling to Rutgers. Who cares about that? One? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. You know, there's still a lot of uh, teams in there where I'm just going to be thinking, really, we're having them travel all the way across the country to go to Maryland. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a sleepy Saturday afternoon to watch the Trojans and the Maryland Terrapins go at it. Uh, such such a difference there, um, but it's still, you know, to your point, when it comes true to the traditions and some of the bigger hitters like you know USC and Ohio State are going to be in the same conference. The Rose Bowl is entering the equation now, yeah. And we were the Rose Bowl as a bowl game to begin with because it's becoming the um, a, a playoff venue. Um, so you know, you're right. There definitely is some some bigger games when it comes down to it, um, but uh, also. It, you got to feel for the the sports who don't bring in the money, you know, right. Are you going to be sending the volleyball team all the way to Rutgers to play this game? I guess we're gonna, just going to be having the tutors traveling with the athletes at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be like a West coast swing? You know, you're going to, you're going to schedule your U- USC, or UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, like the Yankees would for, right. you know, their the West coast or something like that. So a lot of variables here that still need to be shaken out. You know, I've, I've to, to the fans at home, I'm, I've got mixed feelings about this whole situation. Part of me is like, well, yeah, it was obviously going to happen. But then the other part of me, you know, bemoans the fact that we're losing some of the pageantry mm-hmm. of college sports. And um, even the what... in, the in-state rivalries might be going away right. for some of these, like with, with the Huskies and the Cougars. Those guys are now separated by conference. So that that Darby will cease to exist. Right. Now, now the Huskies have come out and said that they want to keep that rivalry going. Good. So Good. it's just going to have to be um, and same with Oregon, Oregon State. You know, Oregon has come out and said that they want to keep it going. But in reality, if the Big Ten, you know, you're getting paid a lot more for a Big Ten game at the end of the season, which is typically when those rivalries would take place in rivalry week. Um, it, what may end up happening is maybe you put them on the front end of the schedule. Mm. So you got Washington, and then Washington State playing in September, which just doesn't doesn't feel right right you know but uh, at the end of the day i think fans would much rather have it happen as opposed to it disappearing altogether over a hundred years of uh history there right so so you mentioned a little bit about the pac-12 already but what does this what does the future of the acc the big east what what are, the, what are we what are we looking for here is it so are we just looking at it's going to be the big 12 the sec and the big 10 standing alone eventually Currently, those three are in the best position, but in in my book, it's going to become two mega conferences at some point. They're just going to go to two divisions. That's that's my guess as to where this is headed. Um, it, but currently, the Big Twelve, you know, they've been kind of wobbling back and forth with the Texas Oklahoma mm-hmm. debacle, Texas A and M leaving, Nebraska leaving, mm-hmm. uh, Colorado Utah. You know, they've had a lot of shakeups um, when it comes to the Big Twelve. And yet here they are coming out, scrapping it out of this deal with 16 teams and looking pretty solid with uh, things considered. They've built the best basketball conference by far in college sports. Right. Right. Yeah. And the ACC, in my mind, that's the most wobbly conference mm. at this point. I mean, they're having emergency meetings with uh, their their board to discuss, you know, bringing on Cal and Stanford. But what does that really do? Mm-hmm. Florida State has pretty much made it clear that uh, it's not a matter of if it, it's when, 
you know, for them. And it's going to be sooner rather than later. You know, the one of the commissioners of the ACC was talking about how the next time a membership kind of opens up is 2036. And he said that <laughs> then you can, then they might leave. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> they're going to leave sooner than that. Yeah. Um, and, and then if at Florida State leaves, Clemson's going to go too. Right. You know, wherever the money is. Yeah. I think we've crossed the Rubicon on this. I don't think there's any looking back from this right. point on. Um, so out of the conferences, which ones were the big winners? Which ones were the big losers through all of this? Uh, big winners got to be the sec and the big 10. Um, and then I'll throw the big 12 in there too. You know, just the fact that they survived yeah. <laughs> is, is a for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the big 10 adding Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, suddenly they've got a huge West coast market. Yeah. Uh, talk about some pretty in Seattle, um, and LA, you know, some pretty big markets in of themselves. And then Oregon, you know, Eugene's not, uh, as prestigious as that when it comes to a city but um the brand of oregon the u of o you know that and their flashy uniforms yep. uh, there's fans all over the country for that yeah uh, and uh, then for the sec i mean texas is an entity of its own you know when, when it comes to how many fans they have how much money is wrapped up in that program and this is a program that hasn't been very good for some time but it's just texas mm-hmm. they move the by themselves and then oklahoma they're a team that's always competing you know except for last year right (laughs) but they're they're always a team that's generally up there when it comes to national championship aspirations so those are my big three winners and then when it comes to uh losers um you're looking at the pac-12 obviously i mean um that that conference just went kaput after over 108 years that's just wild to me garrison it's just wild yeah Yeah, as a fan of the game it's sad but at the same time, you know, the uh, I'm listen, listening to Colin Coward on this one. He he talked about how he thought the Pac-12 had been dead for the last five years, really. Mm. Um, Larry Scott not able to secure better TV slots for those teams. And, you know, we had Pac-12 after dark. But really, nobody on the East Coast was staying up to watch those games, right. by and large. Um, you know, and so they lost a ton of revenue there for those schools. And then they went to a equal sharing opportunity when it comes to revenue. They'd split it up evenly between the teams, which for the teams on the lower ends, you know, like Washington State, for instance, um, even though, you know, they've they've got some history, they've won some games. That's great. But for USC and UCLA, they're sitting there like, wait a second, we're the ones who are bringing most of this, you know, interest in the conference as a whole. Mm -hmm. We're the ones with the history. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, So uh, to me, uh, Pac-12 is the biggest loser out of all of it. And the ACC has fallen right after them, really. The ACC has been a solid conference for some time. Mm-hmm. But um, Florida State and Clemson already looking to move on. Um, and then after them, Miami, North Carolina, you know, those are going to be uh, – North Carolina's got basketball pull, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, those are going to be the teams that will start following suit after that. So those are my two losers there. Okay. Very good. Uh, so this question was asked on Dan Patrick's show the other day and I wanted to get your I asked Gideon this uh, when we recorded our Monday episode is this good for college sports Ooh, that's a good question um I would say when it comes down to college football itself yes yeah I would say it's good in that you're gonna start seeing some pretty big marquee matchups uh you you're you're a fellow soccer fan you remember the super league that they tried to form that's exactly what I was thinking of when this happened yeah, exactly. When I saw that happen, I immediately thought, 
college football is ripe for this. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a super league out of college football. And as sad as it is for regionality and the pageantry and whatnot, you're going to you're going to see some really incredible teams on the field going against each other and whatnot in the you know grand scheme of it all. Um, Because whatever brings in the TV ratings, that's what we're beholden to now. Um, So you're going to be seeing some big brands go up against each other. Because if we're we're being honest, Garrison, like the amount of cream puff teams that some of the big schools schedule, like no one wants to get up on Saturday and watch Alabama slaughter Raisin Brand Tech when they could be when they could be playing a really good team like Alabama versus Texas or Alabama versus Oklahoma who wouldn't want to watch that that's right and you look at Labor Day weekend there's 80 plus games to choose from in that weekend that's going to be the first week this year for college football and I'll maybe watch two of those games okay now there's maybe a couple like LSU I think is scheduled there and USC but USC is going up against San Jose State like I've I, I really don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the grand scheme of things, the matchups are going to be much better, but I'm, I'm really saddened for, you know, the schools like Oregon state who mm-hmm. just won 10 games last year. Mm-hmm. They just beat, um, uh, who, who I forget. They beat Florida in a yeah. bowl game yeah. An sec powerhouse. They just beat them in a bowl game and went 10 and three. They've revamped their stadium. Like nobody else, Washington state. They've worked really hard. They've been to five straight bowl games. They only went seven and six last year, but still with Mike Leach, put them on back on the map, a program that dug itself from the grave and has come all the way back to, Hey, we're going to bowl games every year. Right. Um, it's programs like that, that I really feel for. Um, that's, but money talks yes. and you know, that that's just where we're at at this point. Um, and you know, on a side pitch here for the players, I think, uh, it's never been a better time to be a college athlete. That's yes. for sure. When I, when I was in high school, I wrote a paper on pay for play and how I thought college athletes were just getting, you know, screwed by all of this in that they were employees working for free. That's what they were. Um, but people would argue, well, they get scholarships. Oh, please. They're bringing in billions. You're not playing for the love of the game, Garrison. It's your fault we have NIL. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm all for the NIL, but the issues... Yes. uh, Now, some people have issues with the collectives that have formed in the NIL with regards to how how much money they're pumping in. You're you're talking about a recruit coming in and saying, hey, this institution is offering me $800,000 for the first two years. Uh, if you can match that, I'll come to your place. Mm-hmm. That's where you see a lot of the coaches getting uptight and upset about this. But uh, for, for the college athletes, it's never been a better time. So that's kind of my long-winded answer about <laughs> the state of college football as a whole. Agreed. Um, tough for some of the regional stuff um, and good for the student athletes at this point in yeah. time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out for the schools that don't bring in the money. I yeah. mean, for Excuse me for the uh, sports that don't bring in the money yeah uh, they're kind of but then you can say the only reason they exist is because of college football right uh, so kind of an interesting <laughs> it, it I've, I've got mixed feelings about it but that that's where i would sit that's right where i'm at too agreed so transitioning a little who are your early picks to make the college football playoff Ooh, well georgia uh, yeah automatically comes to mind um i'm gonna throw michigan in there as well mm-hmm. um not necessarily that they'll win it um but to me it's going to come down to them or ohio state mm-hmm. and michigan hosts ohio state this year at the big house 
And Michigan, the reason they've been winning the last couple of years is because they've now gotten to the point where they control the line of scrimmage. Yes. And that's just a, that's just Jim Harbaugh to a T right there. Fashioned football where you're, we're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to hit you in the mouth. Um, And on top of that, he's finally got a quarterback who's been in his program for a couple of years now in McCarthy, JJ McCarthy, uh, who kind of a dual threat. He can run if he needs to. He's got a pretty accurate arm. Um, so to me, Michigan is my pick out of the big 10 there. Michigan's uh, won the last two renditions of the big game as well. Right. That's correct. After being close to a decade, uh, if not, maybe it's, maybe it was more than a decade. I don't know to where they didn't win a single one. Mm-hmm. So Harbaugh saved his job, uh, the last couple of years. Cause yes. if you don't win the big game, that's for either school. If you don't win the big game, uh, you're in trouble. And it's already being talked about at Ohio State that uh, their coach might be in trouble for not winning the big game. I, so Ryan Day is so good. I can't believe that. That's Right. <laughs> but, but if you don't beat that team up north, you're in trouble. Yeah. That, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. So that's, uh, those are my first two, Georgia, Michigan. Um, I would probably throw in uh, – I'm going to throw Alabama into my top four, uh, but part of me wanted to pick LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU with um, – uh, with the, their coach Brian Kelly, yeah, uh, there you you I saw him last year and I thought okay they're gonna be LSU's coming back yeah and I think we're gonna get to see them full force this year. Um, so I was gonna pick LSU, but it's hard to pick against Nick Saban, you know. Um, so I've got Bama in there in that top four as well, and then my last pick, uh, um, I've got a couple that I'm interested to see. Well, a dark horse. Let's hear it. I hate. It would be the University of Washington. They'd Ooh. be my dark, dark horse. Uh, nice. They've got uh, Michael Penix Jr. I think could potentially win the Heisman. You know, um, they're they've got the, behind Ohio State. They've got the best receiving core in the country. Um, they've got pretty a, a very experienced offensive line coming back. Um, I could see them going to the Coliseum and beating USC. Man. So, the Huskies, I think, are right on the cusp. Their defense has got has gotten much more athletic recently as well. And they always uh, have defensive backs at that at that college. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> they can sling the ball like nobody else. Um, so there's that. Tennessee would also be a dark horse, but they're going to have to really pull off some big wins there. Um, and I think they've got the talent to do it. They've got a great quarterback that can sling the ball around. He's got one of the more powerful arms in the country. I heard he can throw that thing 90 yards. That's what I've heard too. <laughs> uh, he, he can, he used to be at Michigan actually. So, um, he can sling it and, um, yeah, but they've got to beat Georgia at home. And that's mm-hmm. just, even if it's a tough road game for Georgia, that's just such a tough ask. Right. Um, they have a great coach too, though, at Tennessee, like Rocky tops looking up. They are, they're a hundred percent looking up and they're, I think of they're there to stay with mm-hmm. the, with their coach. Uh, if you had, if you ha- if I had to give a top four, I would throw Clemson in my top four. Um, Clemson's defenses is, is back. They were really just one touchdown ga- uh, away from going to the college football playoff against South Carolina, but the Gamecocks got them. Mm. Uh, so they've got a, a quarterback who I think is going to be solid for Clemson. Um, so I, my my pick would be the Tigers coming out of the ACC. I think they're going to get Florida State. Florida State looks good. They're you know a, a ten win team coming off last year. Um, they've got a lot of returning talent, but it, I can't bet a bet, uh, bet against Dabo. Uh, so that kind of rounds up my top four. It's Georgia, 
Michigan, Alabama, Clemson. Excellent. So you mentioned Michael Penix Jr. already. So who are your Heisman picks that aren't Caleb Williams? <laughs> uh, Penix Jr. Yeah. Uh, he's up yeah. there. Yeah. Um, it just uh, his seeing what he did with his receiving core last year is just un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, those two quarterbacks right there, um, Oregon's quarterback, uh, his name is escaping me at, at Bo Nix. Yes. That's it. Uh, he's, he's been in college football for 10 years now. And, uh, he just, he's got a lot of experience going for him. Oregon's always going to put up points. Yeah. Um, Bo Nix would probably be a, um, dark horse for me there. Do you have Drake May uh, in there? Oh yeah. I, I would throw him in there as well. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that would, those would probably be the names that come to mind for me off the bat. Um, uh, Georgia, Alabama, they're going to have studs coming out left and right <laughs> as far as guys who could be thrown into the Heisman conversation. Um, so, yeah, but, but those are the ones that come to mind for me. Excellent. Excellent. So you have a college sports podcast coming out very yes. shortly. Can you, why don't you talk about it? Tell us what it's called and we can plug it for you. Well, here's the thing. We don't really know what it's called as of yet, and we're still <laughs> waiting on our third member to uh, confirm whether he's going to be there. But he's a, he, our third member works um, for college programs, and he do, he handles their social media and marketing and whatnot. So uh, he, he's got to check on that. But uh, we've talked about uh, a name maybe being Coast to Coast because I live here in uh, Moscow, Idaho, and my buddy um, Garrett lives over in North Carolina. So literally Perfect. we're covering – Coast. <laughs> yeah. um, so that potential name there. Um, and really, we're just going to talk college sports. You know, we're going to talk uh, college football and basketball to start with just, you know, those are the main those are the main draws there. And there's so much content to cover, you know, as we're going over right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much big news um, that, you know, we think we can get a lot of solid interviews with analysts, with players, because players, you know, who doesn't as a college athlete want to talk about themselves, right. you know? Uh, so talk about some good interview content. We're thinking doing once a week kind of thing um, to start out. And um, yeah, we just both love uh, sports on this side of it. We love football and basketball. Those are the ones that come naturally to us. So why not do a podcast about it? Absolutely. Um, I can't wait to follow it. Can't wait to listen to it. Add it to the queue. Um, you're involved with great, you have grace agenda going on right now in Moscow, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a hectic time for us <laughs> here in the office. We're, we're planning for a live show that we're going to be doing this Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time at the Newark Theater, uh, Main Street here in Moscow. Perfect. Uh, so planning for that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be at the block party on Saturday. There's going to be a, uh, tables set up. Uh, we're going to be scooping ice cream for uh, the attendees at the block party. But it's like it said, it's going to be a party. That's awesome. <laughs> so, nice. A uh... lot of people town, too. Wonderful. Nice pregame before a fight laugh feast in uh, Kentucky in a bit. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be about 2000 people here. So um, a pretty, pretty significant crow coming in and you know, we're always going to have great speakers as well. Um, So it's going to be a good time. Perfect. Uh, Garrison, any, any way we can pray for you? How can we uh, lift you up and um, send you on your way? Well, uh, going back to cross politic here, just that uh, um, we've got some big meetings coming up with uh, companies. So if the Lord would bless those meetings and we would form partnerships that would last and friendships that would last. Um, and then the the conference coming up, you know, you mentioned it. It's uh, coming at the Ark Encounter. Um, you know, if uh, if we could sell that thing out, have two, around 2,000 attendees, 
as well as um, all the exhibitors that we're shooting for, you know. So those would be my prayer requests for cross politic there. Um, and then the the on the side note, the podcast we've got coming out, mm-hmm. you know, if we could launch that well and do it well uh, to the glory of God, then um, that's what we'll do. Amen. We certainly will keep those things in our prayers. Garrison, thank you so much for making the time. I know you guys are really under it with Grace Agenda going on, but really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, I love talking college football. It's one of my favorite topics out there. So uh, definitely wanted to make time in my schedule to do it. And uh, it's always a pleasure uh, chatting with you, Ross. Likewise. Thanks, brother. You have a good day. Get back to work and uh, we'll be lifting you up in prayer. Thanks so much, Ross. Lord bless. Likewise. Thank you.